This is the Luke Thomas Show podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Today on the Luke Thomas Show podcast, we're going to hear Big John McCarthy's take on the John Jones situation. Dana White's UFC 249 media tour continues, and I'm going to explain to you why we should stop asking fighters to save the UFC 249 card. The Luke Thomas Show airs weekdays right here at 3 p.m. on Sirius XM Channel 156. All right, we mentioned that we had some interesting Bellator slash uh, UFC news. I'd like to get to some of that now if we can. Um, here, here's what we have, and, and UFC as well. Let me give you the Bellator news that's a little bit more important. They released a statement yesterday. I have the email here in front of me saying that basically their next three events are postponed. Quote, due to the ongoing safety concerns surrounding the COVID-19 outbreak, as well as the current federal, state, and local government mandates, Bellator MMA officials today have announced that three upcoming live events scheduled for May have been postponed. These events included UFC 2, excuse me, UFC, Bellator 242, which would be May 9th in San Jose, California, the Bellator European Series in London on May 16th in London, and then Bellator 243, which is supposed to be May 29th in Temecula, California. One of those, of course, was supposed to be Gegard Mousasi taking on Douglas Lima and some other ones. They say the organization will continue to monitor the situation closely and fully intends to reschedule the events as soon as possible. As always, the health and safety of our athletes, fans, partners, and staff remains our top priority. We appreciate the understanding and patience of everyone involved during this incredibly difficult time. And there's refunds available for 241, blah, 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 blah. So Bellator has taken May off, basically, is the idea here. And we announced yesterday, at least I put it out on Twitter, Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing had three events scheduled for May as well, and all of those have been postponed. Now, some of those have already been rescheduled for July. One of them was the Derek Chisora Usyk fight. Um, but they had a bunch. They had a bunch that they had to move move away and... Uh, you know, it's just amazing to watch promoters realize that like staging an event right now without guidance from a commission that has really fully, truly studied these things, probably not the best idea, which then brings us to the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Now, Dana, uh, who doesn't like the media, sure has been doing lots of media. He went on something called the Heavyweight Podcast with Frank Warren. Uh, and I'm sure he had a lot to say, so I want to get to some of that here now. Um, you can imagine what Dana might be upset about. First of all, he you know, doesn't like the media, so let's hear that. A lot of these media guys are absolute and total fucking scumbags. And uh, you know, as soon as you let them know what you're doing, all they're trying to do is fuck up everything that you've worked. So I literally told every one of these guys to go fuck themselves. And I'm not telling any of them what I'm doing, where I'm doing it. But know this, the fight is happening April 18th, somewhere on planet fucking Earth. And when you need to know, I'll let you know. Well, nothing says, uh, you know, everything is going great when, like, hiding your events from the media. It's like, let me get this straight. You want us to promote when it's convenient and you don't want us to say anything when it's not? That's funny. Dude, I just ask yourself, what would be the point in denying the media access? Oh, they might try to mess it up. Did they try to mess up anything else that happened before this? Like at 248, you know, 
or whatever it was, 240, whatever the last one was. Yeah, 248, yeah. Did they try to mess up, you know, uh, UFC um, 247, you know? Did they try to mess up UFC Norfolk? Like, no, they didn't try to, they, they tried to do the opposite of that. They only are concerned about whether or not we're having proper protocol followed during a global pandemic. That's it. It's just, I don't, I don't know how that's hard to understand, but apparently it is. Uh, okay, Dana discusses the challenges of UFC 249s here. The challenges are that every time I get something figured out, I wake up the next day and the world has completely changed again. And everything that I worked hard on the day before, me and my crew, has now fallen apart. It literally just happened to us again today. I mean, I woke up today and, and uh, Habib Nurmagomedov is in Russia. And they just shut down all travel in and out of Russia. Yeah, I mean, I cannot imagine that it's very difficult to stage a show in the middle of a global pandemic. I would imagine that the logistical challenge there is going to be pretty significant, given that we don't have a virus or any known post-clinical trial treatment to really employ here. Um, yeah, so the other measures they can take are going to be aggressive testing, contact tracing, and then shutting down borders and enforcing social distancing. That's it. So that would that's that's gonna make doing it real hard. Yeah, you got that right. Um, of course, here thinks everyone else is freaking out about the coronavirus, but not him. He's about there trying to make things happen. Let's hear it. It's now just trying to be able to maneuver as the world continues to freak out and lose their mind over this this coronavirus stuff. Um. All my fighters want to fight. My staff wants to work. Um, you know, everybody who's involved in what I'm doing is absolutely willing and, 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 and able to, to do this. And the thing is with my fighters is when they're with me, they're getting the best medical attention they could possibly get. I mean, the, you know, better than if they were home alone by themselves or, or, or whatever their situation is. And I've reached out to everybody, not just my, my employees that work for me, but my my fighters too. If them or a loved one becomes ill and needs me, I'm here. I will. I will do everything in my power to help and take care of them. So that's that. That that's a given always. And um, this fight will go on. Well, I have heard uh, certain stories of his generosity. Nate Quarry told me that um, you know he needed a back surgery. UFC was not obligated, and Dana ended up paying for it anyway. And it was one of the most transformative and helpful back surgeries. He'd ever had. I don't deny that there's probably some truth or some just outright truth to perhaps his generosity there. On the other hand, you know, when he says, well, the fighters want to fight and my employees want to work. Well, one, not totally true, right? Because Rogan doesn't want to travel for UFC 249. And I suspect the reason he didn't want to is because it's a bad idea, but also because he has the freedom to sort of say when he comes and goes. If the other employees have the same level of financial freedom as well as sort of the personal freedom to do that, well, then let's see how many go through with it. But more to the point, I asked this yesterday of a guy from First Round Management. You know, He's like, the fighters want to fight, they want to get a paycheck, which I get. But at the same time, so do all the bartenders out there. So do all the waiters. So do all the barbers. So do all the mall workers. So do there's a lot of people who want paychecks who can't get it. It's like, well, by what circumstance are the fighters exempt from these considerations? Even if you had COVID testing, that's sufficient, but not, I mean, that's necessary, but not sufficient. It's like, it's like we keep trying to make these uh, fighters 
Like, oh, they, they exist in a different realm than literally everybody. How? How? How is that possible? I, I don't I don't understand that. Um and of course, you know, he always makes these claims about health and safety. Well, yes, as it relates to the typical protocol that they have been tasked with by athletic commissions, the UFC is very, very good about that. I've said it before and I'll repeat it here again. But commissions have not had an opportunity to make literally any protocol related to COVID-19. The Nevada Athletic Commission can't even meet for fear that their meeting will help facilitate the spread of COVID-19. So they're operating in a place where they're like, oh, we go above and beyond. Yes, with the things that have been tasked to you. But the commissions have not had a chance to weigh in on this yet in any kind of full-throated way. Going to Florida, I mean, please, I don't even want to hear that that's an answer because they're not a reputable commission. And so California, New Jersey, Nevada, they've not, they've not put out anything yet. And as a consequence, you know, you're operating a system where there's no, there's no oversight, there's oversight, but they don't have any good, they don't have any policy related to this particular global pandemic. Um, goes in and attacks the media over a particular story. I think this was one of Bloody Elbow put out. Let me hear it. We're going to get through this together and we're going to figure this out, which is a good thing. You would think that people would think that was a good thing. You have some of these scummy, slimy, weasel motherfucking media guys out there literally saying, so the other half of our company, Endeavor, laid some people off. So th th this guy wrote a story for Forbes. You would think that a story in Forbes would be correct and there would be fact-checking and all this other kind of stuff. No, he wrote Dana White was gloating about not uh, laying people off and now he has to lay people off. No, I'm not. No fact-checking, no, no, no calls, no nothing. Basically, this guy wrote a story that was false that I was laying people off. And he was happy about it. He was happy about it. He was excited that he could write a story story that I was going to take jobs away from people and it wasn't fucking true. You're a piece of shit. And, and these are the type of people that we're dealing with in the media these days. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's disgusting. I mean, yeah, there's no fact checking about that. He has a point. Uh, at the same time, I don't think the general media tenor of asking what the proper protocol was for UFC Brasilia and why there was no COVID testing is outside the boundaries. I mean, to me, it seems quite within the boundaries that you would want that to happen. So there could be individual stories that were not done properly. And if that is one, you might have a point. Um, but that doesn't change anything else about the, the, the case. That's simply about whether or not it was accurate that UFC was or wasn't laying off. I'm talking about what about event safety protocol related to the global pandemic? That's, that's where all of my story and my focus has been. So you might have a point there. That's not the point I, I'm at all concerned with at this point. And honestly, I'm glad the UFC has not laid anybody off. I hope they don't have to. But if they did, you'd kind of understand it. I mean, Macy's just furloughed 130,000 people. I don't know that Macy's are bad people. They're just dealing with the situation that they've got. Right? So keep it in mind. Um, wants to put this one on for the fans. You know, we, we need to get these, uh, these really smart people out there i'm not one of them but we need to find these smart people out there to figure this type of shit out and uh and instead of hiding from this i get it i'm doing what i'm told i'm in my house i've been locked down and, and we're trying to uh to, to, to stop this thing from spreading uh you, you know with the potential that this thing has to spread 
but let's start figuring out how do we beat this thing and how do we get back to normal and start living our normal lives again? And, and then the, the question is, Frank, what's normal? What is normal going to be one or two years yeah. now compared to what we, we knew was normal uh, a week ago, 10 days ago? I, I don't know the answers to those questions, but I, I'm, 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 I'm not going to be afraid to be the first guy to jump back out and start getting shit together again. Start putting on fights. Start start putting on sporting events that you can watch on TV or on pay-per-view. Yeah, well, when uh, the global um, infectious disease experts tell us that's a good idea, we will. But they have said we're not even close to that yet. You can't figure out something. There was a uh, – Cobb, I'll send it to you. There's this guy. He's the, the head of one of these top universities in South Korea. It's widely been acknowledged that South Korea has done a really good job at containing – the COVID-19 outbreak. I don't buy any of China's numbers at all. I think a lot of people don't, but I do buy South Korea's because that's actually a democracy. It's a free market, you know, in general. Obviously, there's obviously, you know, not perfect per se, but, uh, you know, it's it's built a little bit like the United States in that capacity. And they've done a really good job of containing this. And there was a doctor there and he said something. He's like, dude, you have got to have humility about this disease. If you try to rush it and you don't believe its strength, it will overtake you. you got to do this the right way. So I understand the solution-oriented attitude that Dana has. I actually really do. It, we're just at the beginning stage of this. That's the problem. And he says, it's not about corporate greed. Some folks have said that it is. I don't think it's about corporate greed. I do wonder if it's about Endeavor's finances, though. But let's hear what he has to say. I did an interview with CNN a, a week ago, and they said, you're being called the poster boy for corporate greed. That's nothing to do with fucking corporate greed. I don't even need to do this shit anymore. I do this because I fucking love it. I do this because this is what I believe I was put on earth to do. It's what gets me up in the morning and excites me. Um, and, and I'm doing what I believe should be done. We need to get back. Guys should be playing basketball right now. Okay. Don't have any fans. Limit the amount of people that are around the court. Make sure that these guys are healthy and, 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 good to play something's gonna kill us frank yeah but you can't that's why they're not playing basketball because they can't actually guarantee that you're doing it in a way that won't transmit disease that's that is the entire point they'd have to travel to do it it'd be costly it'd be onerous and there'd be no guarantees even with the testing of the it, it, by the way if you got the tests are you taking it away from people who more deservedly need it who could be sick and in the hospital I mean, there's a million reasons why they can't do that right now. Not right now. That's not forever. It's just not right now. It just seems to me that there's a little bit of denial from Dana about the reality of this condition and the limits that it places on us. And I know he wants to say that these limits don't matter, but they do. Like they do to him, to me, to you, to everyone. And we've got to obey them, uh, not in fear, but we've got to obey their power and recognize it. And then through that recognition... That's where the solutions come in. Not in not recognizing its power, but in understanding what you're up against and then building solutions towards that. And until there are good ones, we don't need to pursue them. Just sort of my view on this whole thing. WrestleMania 36 is finally here, and Busted Open has got you covered this Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern with our WrestleMania pre-show. Dave LaGreca and WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray will get you ready for the biggest pro wrestling event of the year from returning legends. 
Undertaker! NXT challengers, who will come out on top? It's Busted Open's WrestleMania 36 pre-show, only on Sirius XM Fight Nation, channel 156. Big John McCarthy does a podcast called Weighing In with Josh Thompson. It's a good one, actually. I, I listen as much as I can. And uh, he weighed in on the John Jones scenario. Just to recap, if you guys didn't know, John Jones was arrested last week on uh, charges of uh, aggravated DWI, as well as reckless use of, or negligent use, I should say, of a firearm. And, uh, you know, there's been a bit of, bit of a fallout about it. My take has always been, I, I feel bad for the guy, because it looks to me like he's, you know, he's struggling, man. He's really, he's out there kind of just flapping in the wind. Uh, Big John is a little less sympathetic. Now, it's not that I don't think Big John, I don't want to speak for him. My read on the situation is that Big John thinks that this guy has problems, but he's got a bit of a, he's got a bit of a tougher tone. And to be honest, at first I was like, I was kind of reeling at it, but the more I think about it, the more I think John might need to hear both perspectives. He might need to know that he needs help. And he might also need to hear that he is a giant screw-up. Um, I don't really feel comfortable making those ac- not accusations, those characterizations, because I'm not sure if that's the medically... Here's the thing. I don't really know what's medically appropriate, to be honest with you. I just don't really know. But Big John has some words for him. So, first, he makes a point that I think everybody would agree with. The guy needs structure in order to keep himself out of trouble. Let's hear it. Oop, hang on. In the cage, you got to admit, he is an incredible fighter. And he is the, it, it, the question is, how do you take a guy, and, and I understand what it is, when he is disciplined, when he has a fight, when he has a structure and a schedule, the military would have been great for John Jones because it's got structure, because you've got to be here at this time, this is your job, this is what you do, then you'll go over here, then you're going to do this, and John performs beautifully under that structure and when he doesn't have structure he is a disaster he is an unmitigated just straight out fuck up (laughs) whoa yo big john not out here mincing words player good lord jesus big john tell us how you really feel can he say he's wrong? I mean, I'm not sure you can. He's he's not making a point that is, to me, all that contentious. Wow, though, Jesus. You know what? Maybe that's exactly what he needs to hear. I don't know. This is the one where I'm a little bit confused about. I don't know what the medically appropriate way is to handle something like this in terms of, you know, uh, making someone feel bad about some of their misdeeds. And the thing is, you can understand why he might feel that way because it's like, dude, you're a danger to the public if you're driving drunk and you're popping off rounds. It's not just about you at that point. It's Yes, it is about you, but it's not just about you. Um, this is another one that Big John gets into. I want to hear this one. It's He says it's incomprehensible to him that John can't control his actions. Now, this is where I'm going to part ways with him. Let me hear this, though. It is absolutely incomprehensible that this man cannot control his actions. When he's being arrested, you know, you know, I just want to be with my kids. No, you had the chance to be with your kids. You decided to go out and drink and drive and shoot guns, and you decided to take that ability away. You decided that. No one made you. 
this is going to hurt John a lot more than he realizes. Uh, so here's the thing. Big John is right that he made those choices. But to me, it's not incomprehensible. The reason why he makes those choices is because he has seemingly, and again, I'm not a doctor, but who makes these kinds of really ill-advised, consistent choices over time that are ruinous to somebody or just bad or you know they backfire and in a rational world, no one would ever, I mean, they might make it once, they might make it twice, but if it happens in a repeated kind of way, and by the way, this is only the time he got caught. How many times has he done this and not been caught, right? So you think this is the first time he went out just drinking and driving since 2015? My guess is probably not. The reason why that makes sense to me is because he, it seems like he has substance abuse and potential addiction issues. Now, again, you would need a medical expert to verify that. That's not any kind of an expert opinion. I don't know that. But I do know that if he was struggling with some of those kinds of issues, it would perfectly explain how he just can't get right. Your answer would be very obvious at that point, right? That's kind of the issue for me. So I understand what he means. It's like, dude, how can you be this enabled? You have this much money. You have God-given talent in a way that is just extraordinary. You live in a town that you move to to focus on your professional career. You've had an extraordinary amount of professional success. You've earned an extraordinary kind of living. You've got all the resources you need with your family there and your money and your team. Everything is there to live a balanced, focused, dedicated life. And yet, he can't. Well, dude, that's the whole point, right? The whole point is, if you're really struggling with serious internal issues, it doesn't matter where you live. And it doesn't matter who's around you. And it doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. You know, how could um, any of the various famous musicians that we know who were celebrated the world over, they had all the money and fame and accolades in the world, how could they still get in? Like, remember when Robert Downey Jr. was constantly in trouble? How could that happen? Well, again, I don't know exactly what John's problems are, but I knew what Robert Downey Jr.'s were, and they, a big part of that was addiction. It just explains consistently irrational and uneven behavior. You're right. A rational person would not keep getting in trouble this way. But addiction is not rational. Addiction is addiction. So um, beating up someone for character failings I think works up to a point. I don't know that it works by itself. Now he thinks that John's going to do jail time. Let me hear his argument for it. There's also the thing, you know, someone put out a thing when, you know, the defense attorneys say that this could be thrown out because of the coronavirus. I guarantee it's not going to be thrown out. Not a third time, man. They're going to look at it. They definitely have this as a second time. And they're going to look at it as a third time. And he's going to do some time. I'm just telling you. It may not, you know, he's, it'll be what we call jail, not prison. But he's going to spend some time with his butt behind these things called bars because He's proven that he he does not change his attitude and his demeanor and his aspect towards doing the right thing. He's done it before. He's now doing it again. And they're going to say, well, you didn't listen to us the first time. And you obviously didn't even really take it that serious the second time. So the third time we're going to show you, you made a big mistake. So I've heard competing things on this. I've had some attorneys tell me that that is true that the chance of him spending not he's not going to go to prison if he spends time behind bars it'll be a jail you know very low security kind of facility 
uh, and that it could be anywhere from a month up to six. Really depends on what he gets convicted of. Really depends on what kind of plea agreement he gets. Really depends on what the judge thinks. There's a lot of factors that could go into that. Also, it's his second DUI, but it's his third vehicular issue, if you count the hit and run. So it's not his third DUI, which I'm told if it was his third flat-out DUI, then that would be way worse. But it's not. It's his second. And again, I'm not here to say, oh, two DUIs, no big deal. I'm just trying to point out what the law may or may not do. Um, Big John is a lot more certain than some of the attorneys I've spoken to. I had another one write me saying... Oh, there's no way he uh, he'll have a competent attorney. He'll 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 get out of this. No no problem. So uh, you know, take that analysis either way with a grain of salt. My hunch is, if I had to bet, I'd bet probably no jail time. And if I he ends up doing jail time, I'm going to say six weeks or less. That's sort of my hunch on all of this. But again, we'll have to see how it all plays out. Uh, but still, you know, you're getting to a point now where it's like if he does significant jail time. They're going to have to strip him, which is exactly what Big John thinks UFC is going to do here. The UFC has always been this hands-off when it comes to this, and they're going to let the justice system do their do their thing. <clears throat> but John's not going to be fighting for a while, so they're going to end up stripping him of that title. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, how many times can you be stripped of the title? The real question is, do you want him on your roster? Do you really want him? Yeah, you do. Well... I mean, here's the thing. We're so accustomed. I mean, this is, look. Look. Sports organizations are going to play this just in the way you think they are. Which is to say, if somebody is valuable to an organization, and that value can mean a lot of different things. Do they provide value in the sense that they uh, are never injured and they're always willing and able to play? Does it mean that they're big-time revenue generators? Are they helpful for, you know, if you're a team sport, are they really a crucial component for winning? Lots of different ways to define value, but ultimately, are they, are they valuable towards the organizational's goals on and off the field uh, or in and outside of the cage in this particular case? If the answer is yes, as long as that is the case, there's going to be a sliding scale of justice. There are going to be things that they're willing to just tolerate in pursuit of that. That's very rational for sports organizations to do. Now, you might note, public pushback, the amount of bad press they get, the, um, you know, uh, if they let someone back on the roster and then they do something catastrophically bad and how that could change policy. All of that is a, a part of the calculation in terms of what we ultimately determine to be value, right? Because if you're so toxic, well, no, they can't do much with you. I don't think John's reached that level yet. And you might think he has for you personally, And I can't police that, nor am I trying to. Instead, what I'm trying to say is, do I think the UFC has reached a point where employing John Jones is bad for their business, bad for their public image, bad for their bottom line, bad for their value? No. No, I don't. I don't think that's true. Just reading the tea leaves. And you can like that fact or you can hate it, but... um, just the way it goes, right? Just how it looks on this one. Um, so are they going to strip him? Now, they might if he doesn't have jail time. And it also depends on how long is this whole charade of sitting in our house is going to last. I mean, there's a lot of different ways this goes. But, um, you know, is he good for your organization? All of those things, it's not, a, it's not an either or. It's a sliding scale. 
And I don't think that's the way it goes. And you could say it shouldn't be that way. If I was running a sports organization, I would never run it that way. Fine, but that's what owners typically do all the way across. Now, he said if he was running UFC, he would cut John Jones. Let me hear this. If I was in charge of the UFC, I would cut him. I not only would take his title, yeah. I would cut him. Yeah, here's the and, thing. And I'm telling you this, Josh, yeah. straight out. If Bellator wanted to sign him, I would do everything I could to say, why are you doing that? Yeah. Don't even think about it. Because all he's going to do yeah. is bring you bad press. What he brings in the cage, in the end, is not going to be worth what he's going to bring to you on the outside. Um, is there a lot of evidence that John Jones brings bad press to UFC? Yes, he brings some bad press. That is true. But UFC has been in business with John Jones for a long time. And they've, again, this particular global pandemic notwithstanding, they're doing better than ever. So, again, John is not employed by UFC and his services, I should say, are not employed by UFC by some accident. I understand what Big John is saying, that like the headache, because here's what it seems to me. John's misdeeds clearly rub Big John the wrong way. And you can understand that. I mean, you're out there multiple times getting caught drunk behind the wheel of a car and you're hitting pregnant ladies and running from the scene of a crime. Like, this really offends John. And I'm not here to say that's bad. You know, he's got a strong sense of civic duty, and I appreciate that from him. Nevertheless, just assessing this independent of one's, you know, strong feelings about the matter, he has brought a lot of negative publicity. But most of the negative publicity that John generates... He absorbs. So I don't actually think that the UFC now they might that that could change if they start if they start to be seen as complicit in all of this. That could make things a little bit interesting. To date, to date, the idea that he is a bigger headache than he's worth, I don't think the evidence shows that. That could change. I'm just speaking about to date. And then last but not least, um, yeah, I think this might be the same one. Let me see. Do we have seven of the same cuts? Let's see. Just put it this way. He's been lucky because he hasn't hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. And I don't think John wants to hurt somebody purposefully as far as in the cage. Yes, he does. Other than that, he does not. But he's putting himself in positions where he's not in control of his faculties to the point where what happens when he hits somebody and they die? That sounds dramatic. I don't think if that was his first offense, I would call that a little on the dramatic side. But it's his third vehicular offense. I don't think that's dramatic at all. He nearly hurt someone really bad in the second time, and he was, I guess, parked in this third time. But you're doing enough of this, wondering if you're a menace to the public safety. It's not unfair. It's not unfair at all. I'm actually with Big John on that one. It's not unfair at all. Uh, that now you are reaching a point where and I've said it before. I said it yesterday. Dude, John still got most of his wealth. He's still in his early 30s. He's still, uh, I mean, you name it. Everything that's going, that, that, like, if you're talking about someone's life who's breaking down, there appear to be pieces of that puzzle in place, but he hasn't lost his wealth. His family hasn't left him. You know, he's not on some terrible losing streak. He's not fighting an Indian casino somewhere. Dude's still the UFC light heavyweight champion of the world. He just fought a really tough challenger and won. You know, again, I thought it was very controversial to the win, but he, it wasn't like he performed poorly, you know. 
he's still he's still got some time to fix it. And if you're still doing this kind of stuff three times in, uh, Big John's right. He's right at that point. I mean, I couldn't disagree. I couldn't agree more with Big John. I asking about what this guy might do to the public is is totally and absolutely in bounds. Your home for all things combat sports is Sirius XM Fight Nation. Start your day with Hall of Fame Pro Wrestling Talk on Busted Open. Respect these men and women that build the business. Then, the Barack Show keeps you up to date on all things boxing. Boxing is the theater of the unexpected. And MMA guru Luke Thomas has you covered for mixed martial arts. Joe Rogan is the most important influencer in all of MMA. The fight game broken down like nowhere else. Only on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. All right, Luke Thomas Show, wrapping things up here. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Don't forget, tomorrow is the TLTS Midweek Mailbag. Need those submissions. Need them like ASAP. Luke Thomas Show at gmail.com. You can make them a voicemail that we could put, which you, we could play at any point during the week, or you can just write them out, which we read on air tomorrow. Luke Thomas Show at gmail.com. All right. Got a bit of uh, semi-breaking news here. I mean, it's breaking. I wouldn't call it huge news, but it sort of relays. It, it, it dovetails with the point I'm about to make. Uh, according to TSN's Aaron Bronstetter, uh, John Orand of the Sports Business Journal has reported that DAZN is going to be withholding rights fees for any games that have been suspended or content that has not been delivered, which means uh, I guess Bellator won't be getting any money. Right? I guess that's what that means. DAZN will also be furloughing an unspecified number of employees in the coming week. Um, let me explain something that has been going around a little bit. I have seen an argument that has been made about the fighters, and they need a check. Right? They need a check. They need a check. They need a check. I mean, who could possibly disagree with that? I mean, everybody agrees with that. Right? Um, and that pain has got to be real. And that pain has got to be... Searing, you know. But the problem is, what exempts fighters and anyone else that's working uh, who shouldn't be, given the nature of their work, from let's say mall workers who work at a Macy's, who work at a whatever inside the brick and mortar place inside of a mall, or waiters, or bartenders, or barbers. Like, why are fighters exempt when the rest of them are not? And the answer is, of course, they're not exempt. Some people have to play by the rules, which means all of us have to play by the rules. Now, that's admittedly easier for me to say because I'm not taking a hit yet, anyway, on my pocketbook. I will say my YouTube views are down substantially, um, but, you know, that's to be expected, I suppose, a little bit, right? Just sort of the way things go here. Um, not everyone's looking for this kind of content in that kind of a way. So, you know, I've taken a small hit, let's say, but nothing nothing particularly big. So it's easy for me to say that. But here's the point that you really have to understand. Media is not going to succeed in this environment. In fact, media, like, like regular news media might be doing better, but sports media is not going to succeed in this environment. One thing that has been floated over and over again is that, oh, we'll just air old games. You know, we'll just air old matches. We'll just air old fights, and that will be just the same. But the numbers don't show that. The numbers don't show that at all. They're much less. Right? It's not nearly as fun to go and revisit old things as it is to just have a bunch of new stuff constantly in your face. 
So when media is advocating for UFC 249 to not go on, or for Bellator or who any other promoter to stop, they're not doing it because it's in their interest as sports media. It doesn't actually help us. It actually hurts us. If UFC 249 takes place, that would make the entire month of April quote-unquote worth it in terms of traffic. It would. It would absolutely do that. Um, If Bellator had three shows in May, it would make it a much better May. But that's just not the world we live in. And what the experts have clearly told us, and again, some of their stuff has shifted, particularly around masks, for example. Now they're saying everyone should wear masks, so it's like, all right. But okay, in terms of the methods we have to control this and to not let the healthcare systems get completely overwhelmed, what they're saying to us is the, the less you adhere to these methods the longer the recovery is going to take. And in fact, there was some research that was done around the Spanish flu that looked at the economic recoveries in different cities after their version of 20th century social distancing. And it was the ones who did it earlier and more often had the quicker economic rebound. So why do I bring this up? Because yesterday you had Masvidal and you had uh, Colby and Kamaru and Tyron in various iterations, all taking shots, not necessarily at everyone else, but you had, let's say, Woodley and Colby going after each other. Uh, You had Kamaru and Jorge going after each other. And the aim, ostensibly, was to save the card. Save the card, everyone says. Let's get out there and save that card. Give one to the fans. Saving the card is not what we need. Saving the card is not the priority here. What I want to safeguard is the future. You know what I care more about than UFC 249? Getting back on our feet so that all pay-per-views can take place. You know what I care more about than UFC 249? Shortening the window where we have to do this. Because this is bad for so many people. It's, it's the worst for people who can't work. And even for people who can work, but work, let's say, in sports media, this is not an ideal arrangement. People are not as interested in old content as they say they are. It's not good for anybody. My radio show hasn't been live in weeks. I can't actually even do the same show. I can only do a version of it. It's like a podcast. Tell you what, it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel anywhere close to the same as going live. I don't prefer it. I don't prefer it at all. I want to get out of this mess as fast as we can. But that can't happen if we keep asking fighters to not obey the rules that everyone else has to obey. We're just going to delay how long this takes. You have to put off some short-term gratification for some long-term solutions. UFC President Dana White speaks about finding some solutions. I appreciate the spirit there. I appreciate the combative spirit to just not say, 
you know, I'm just going to sit on the couch and just do nothing else. Okay, fine. But if you want to find a solution, leave that up to the disease, infectious disease experts and public health professionals. Talk to commissions and get protocol from them. But that requires a little bit of waiting because we're still all trying to figure this out. And what I don't want to do is in the short run, engage in actions that put us in a position where we just can't get back to normal for everybody because we decided we just didn't believe that that was a thing we had to adhere to. Thanks for listening. Catch the Luke Thomas show live and in its entirety weekdays from three to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM fight nation channel 156 on Twitter. Follow at L Thomas news and the channel at MMA on Sirius XM.